Hi, I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. I am so glad that you, uh, that you survived the treacherous conditions to get here this morning. <laughs> you know, it's funny, I was reading an article uh, before I came to church from one of the local news stations, and it basically said, don't go outside from now until Wednesday. <laughs> Even this morning, it's like, don't go outside. Texans, do not go outside. And I just found it funny because you know, up in Colorado, there's about a million people on the ski slopes right now, and it's about eight degrees, <clears throat> and half of them are Texans, so, <clears throat> so I don't know, you know. Now, you should stay off the ice, but I'm not too worried that I'm going to freeze to death as I walk to my car, you know. I think I'll be okay out there this morning, this morning. but thank you for being here. I'm glad you made it. Uh, nobody froze to death getting here, so that's, a good, that's good news. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Clear my throat there on the mic. Um, yeah, it's so good to, to be with you guys this morning. Uh, you know, one thing that uh, I recently became a granddad, Stacy, a grandmother. Yeah. And we, uh, it seems like we're going to Waco quite a bit. That's where our son-in-law and daughter live. And, uh, Man, you grandparents, I've heard, all, I've heard all my life about how great it was to be a grandparent. They're like, parent, forget that. You know, like grandparents, that's like everything, right? But you guys were holding back because it's way better than I imagined it is. Look, it's, it literally is the best, one of the, it's, it's the best thing I've ever experienced. I told Stacy, I said, of all the things that I've ever been in my life, all the roles and jobs and everything, Grandparent, that is, that's my favorite right there. That's the best, right? Because you don't ever have to tell them no, right? You're just like, yes, do whatever you want. I don't care, you know, whatever you want, you can do it. My daughter, my, they're like, what? Who are you people? You told me no over and over. You didn't let me do that. It's like, I don't care. You can do whatever you want. Eat whatever you want. Popsicle for breakfast. Whatever, I don't, whatever makes you smile and whatever makes you happy is what I live for right now. So what a, isn't that a, that's a blessing God gives you that opportunity at the, at the later part of your life to do that. Just to be like, yes, go ahead, do it. I don't care. It's awesome. So I am thankful for that to the Lord for his many, many blessings. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so this morning, we're going to look in, we're going to look at a couple passages of scripture. We're going to look at two. We're going to look at one in Galatians and one in 2 Corinthians. And uh, I want you to look this morning, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at Galatians 6. We're going to start in verse 7. I think they'll put it on the screen as well. And um, we're going to look at um, really stepping into God's measure of increase. And we're going to look at the principle of sowing and reaping. Amen. I think it's something that's really important to talk about. I, I believe that um, as we start 2024, we need to understand the principle of sowing and of reaping. 
one of the words that we got that, uh, that Chad Owens had for us, and I pay attention to his little slogans because the debt-free in 2023 worked. So I'm like, all right, his new one is more in 2024. So I'm like, okay. But to partner with the more of God, you've got to understand sowing and reaping. So everybody, look, so everybody, if I said in this room, who wants a harvest? Y'all be like, yeah, 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 give me the harvest. But we have to understand something about the harvest. You don't get a harvest unless you are a sower. Amen. And so we're going to look at that this morning in Galatians 6. Seven, it says this, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, this he will also reap. So don't be deceived. God is not mocked. That's probably about the strongest emphasis in the Bible on any scripture that I've ever seen that says very loudly, pay attention to what I'm saying. If God says, don't be deceived, I won't be mocked. We need to really pay attention in that moment to what he's saying. That means this is serious business here, that this is something that you can count on. If God says that whatever a man sows, he's gonna reap it, you can, be, you can, you can stand on that as a promise and a guarantee. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so, I, and I think it's interesting, the thing about sowing and reaping that God actually encoded it into nature itself. Yeah. I want us to understand something about this. This is actually a spiritual principle that God said, all right, to show everybody this spiritual principle, I'm gonna encode it into nature itself. And, um, and whatever seed is put into the ground is going to yield a crop. That's actually encoded into nature. It's a spiritual principle and um, whatever you plant, you're gonna get back. So my grandparents had a ranch, a farm. So I grew up, I grew up in uh, rural East Texas. So um, we had, you know, I had a, my own herd of cows, which was pretty amazing. Yeah, I had like amazing cows. I was a member of the Junior Simmental Association. Most of you don't even know what a Simmental is. Beautiful cow. I had a pet Brahma bull that was like a dog. I could call that, he was huge. I fed him from a bottle. I could call him over and he'd run like a dog and I'd pet him. It, it was, he, was, he was awesome. So yeah, I'm just letting you know uh, the city version of Shane is not actually probably who I am. I am a country boy, right? And if you saw my truck, you would probably believe that. So... Um, so anyway, I grew up on this farm and you know, I noticed something about the farm. If we planted beans, guess what we got? All right, we didn't get, if we planted beans, we didn't get onions. But if we planted onions, we would get onions, right? So whatever, whatever we planted, whatever seed that we put into the ground is what we got back. And so the spiritual principle that we need to understand is this, whatever we sow is what we're gonna reap back, right? And this works, in a, this works in a positive and a, I mean, there's a positive side of this and there's also a negative side of this, all right? So if I sow peace, what am I gonna get back? If I sow strife, what am I gonna get back? Right, so I can sow 
I can sow things that are good and I'm gonna get good things back. But if I sow things that are negative, then I'm gonna get negative things back. If I sow anxiety, I'm gonna get anxiety. If I sow stress into a situation, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna create more stress into that situation. And so we need to understand whatever we plant is what we are gonna get back. In the, in the book of Job 4.8, it says, even as I have seen that they plow iniquity and sow wickedness, they will reap the same. <clears throat> so if we, plow, if, we, if we plow iniquity and we sow wickedness, we're gonna get a measure of wickedness back. And so I, wanted, I don't so much wanna focus on the negative side of that today, except to say, just don't do it. <laughs> just don't sow that. Unless you wanna yield a crop, of a good old big yield of crop of strife, don't sow strife. Amen? Don't sow drama, right? <laughs> if you go into a situation and you just sow, like, let me just throw my seed of drama into this situation, what's gonna happen? Boom, there's gonna be a lot of drama that happens. And so let's just stay away from iniquity. Let's stay away from sowing wickedness and let's, let's, uh, let's sow things that are positive. Amen? Amen? So if you keep going in this verse, verse eight, it says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And so it's also important what we sow into. So if I sow to the flesh, I'm gonna reap corruption back because the flesh is corrupted. If I sow to the spirit, then I'm gonna reap life back. And so um, what does that look like? So when I read this passage, I'm like, well, what, is that, what does that mean ex exactly? And one way to look at this is if I am sowing into flesh, I'm just, I'm living a life that is just about sowing into self. So my motivation is all about me. It's about self. So I'm just sowing into self or I can sow into the kingdom. Amen. And if I sow into the kingdom, I'm going to reap life back. Amen. And let me just say this. It's not that, um, it's not that God, it's not that God doesn't want to bless us. It's not that as I sow that I don't get something personally back from that, but I want to, I want to get it in the right order here. We sow first into the kingdom and then we reap back the overflow of that. I don't sow first into self. I sow first into the kingdom. There's a principle there. If I'm sowing first into the kingdom, then the blessing and the abundance that comes back that affects me personally is the overflow of what God wants to do. So God wants to teach us not to live first, trying to sow first but sow into his kingdom and let the overflow come back and there are blessings inside of that overflow. Amen? So he prospers us out of the overflow as we first invest in his kingdom. And true prosperity is to give into the kingdom first. Amen? Look, you could, you could actually have an abundance of something that didn't come from God and not prosper. Amen? You, look, you could have a lot of money and not be prospering. Or you could have a lot of money that you have been sowing to the kingdom, God is returning back to you, 
and that, and you prosper in that because why? You've got it in the right order. You're not, there's a lot of people that have money that are corrupted. And so, but there are people that have money that are not corrupted, that they sow into the kingdom, God blesses them, and so that they can sow more into the kingdom, and there's an abundance for every good thing. And we're going to look at some of that as we get going here. And so, and let me just say this, it, I get, okay, I don't preach a prosperity gospel, but I do preach that God wants to prosper you. Now you can do whatever you want with that, but I've, I study the Bible extensively and I do know this, God wants to prosper his people. And poverty, and I know this too, poverty is not from God. Poverty is not from God. You, it's like, hey, give me some poverty. <laughs> Praise God for poverty. No, poverty is not from God. He wants to take people out of poverty. And it's, the most important thing is that our soul prospers, right? But God also wants to prosper you in all the things of your life. Amen. When you have the right heart, you have that, that you're going to sow first into his kingdom. And so um, God wants us to partner with him. And I want you to think about this. I could, if I'm starting a business, there was a prayer for that this morning. Start the business with the idea, let this be the forefront of the reason you're starting that business so that you can sow into the spirit, so that you can sow into the kingdom. Now there will, look, there can be an overflow that blesses you personally from that. But start it with a partnership with him that I want to sow into, I want to be someone who sows into the kingdom and I want to be in a position to bless other people. Amen. I want to be in a position that I could hire people and I could give them a kingdom place to work where, where the principles of the kingdom are working and there's peace where they're working and that their family gets blessed. Amen. And so that's how we want to start it, or that I could give to others as well. I could sow my time into learning a new skill. Now, I could do that just for self, just to improve self, or I could say, you know what? I want to learn this new skill because I want to use this skill in the kingdom. Now, the reality is if I use it in the kingdom, it will, I will also get a blessing from that personally, but the first thing is to have the focus of the kingdom. Amen. So what I want to say is this, whatever you're doing, are you doing it just to improve your life or do you have a higher aim? Do you have an aim that you could be someone who makes an effect in the kingdom? Amen. Now, Stacy gave me this, um, this little blurb here. So there's a rule. Have you ever heard of the 100 rule? Me either. <laughs> I don't know where it came from probably a book she read. I don't know, but it's kind of cool to think about. And here's the rule. If you spend 100 hours a year in any discipline, you'll be better than 95% of the world in that discipline. Isn't that crazy? So we calculated that. That's between like 16 and 17 minutes per day. So if you, if you sowed into something for 16 to 17 minutes a day, you will become better at whatever that is, than 95% of the world. And so I want you to think about that this year. What do you want to sow into that you could become better 
than 95% of the world in. <laughs> I like that. Jesus. That's right. That's right. So, but as you do that, you've got to put kingdom first, right? So I'm not just trying to improve myself. I am, I am improving myself. I am learning a skill. I'm learning something, but I'm doing it with the aim that I could impact the kingdom. I want to sow not just to my flesh and what my flesh wants, but I want to sow to the spirit. So I want to become better at that so that I can be a blessing to other people. Amen. All right. There's your 100 rule right there. So you, you need to find something, ask the Lord, what's the, where's the 100 hours that I want to spend on something so that I can be 95% better than the rest of the world? You know, there's examples of people partnering with the gospel in the Bible financially. And look, I'm not just talking about finances here, okay? I'm talking about anything that you sow into. That's important to point out. But in the early church, you had Aquila and Priscilla. And they had a, a lucrative uh, tent-making business that Paul would often work for. They would often travel in these different areas. They had different locations. You know, I guess you could say they were like the superstore of tents. I don't know. But they're making these tents. And Paul talked about them extremely fondly, like highest honor. Some of the highest honor that you see Paul gives is to Aquila and Priscilla. What were they doing? They were partnering with the gospel. They were actually funding part of Paul's ministry to be able to go where he needed to go and preach the gospel and churches be established. So you had Aquila and Priscilla. So they, were, they had this successful business, but they had kingdom first. You had Lydia. Lydia was in the church at Philippi. And um, she was a woman merchant of expensive purple cloth, believed to have been a wealthy uh, entrepreneur of this purple cloth, which purple cloth in that day and time was, was one of the most valuable commodities that there were, was this, this special purple cloth that I believe was made in that area um, of Philippi, was, was made from some type of dye that they made. You also had Gaius, who, it, it, whose home that the Corinthians met in. And you had many of these benefactors who were partnering with the gospel. They were successful in what they did, but they were taking that success and they were sowing it into the spirit. Um, often these houses that the early church would meet in were owned by wealthy people. Why, why did they need a house? Because they needed a big house. They had these courtyards that they would meet in and it might be 150 people. And so they were using their homes to actually, these were home churches, but some of them were quite large because these, these uh, wealthy uh, people had these houses where people could meet. And so I just wanna make a point here that as God prospers, we need to make sure that we are keeping kingdom first and that we continue to sow to the spirit. Amen? All right. Let's keep going. Verse nine. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are the household of faith. So I want you to notice something in this passage that I think is really, really important when it comes to sowing. Because sowing doesn't always instantly produce the crop that you want it to produce. 
And so we're given this scripture here that not to grow weary. So you need to understand something. If you're sowing and you've been sowing, but you're not reaping yet, according to the word, you need to continue to sow and you don't need to grow weary in your sowing but you need to continue doing good. You need to continue to sow to the spirit with your whole life and you don't need to give up because in due season, you will reap. This is something I don't totally understand. There, there are things in my life that I've been sowing into for 30 years, but I have not yet reaped the harvest that I am expecting to receive. Right? There's other things that I sow and it seems like it comes quicker. But all I know is this, that I can trust God with his due season. And I can trust him at his word that if I don't grow weary and I don't stop, that's the thing. I think some people stop. Some people even go, well, it, does, it didn't work. And they get bitter about it and they get upset with God about it. And what you're doing right there is you're stopping and you're growing weary of doing good. And because of that, you won't reap what you have sown in full. And so I wanna encourage you in something. If you're sowing, you've gotta understand that God has a timing for that seed to produce a crop and it's not something you can control. All you can do is be faithful to take the seed that God gives you and sow it. Yeah. And when he says, Give, it, give more, sow it. And again, I'm not just talking about money here, although that's part of it. It could be your time. It, it, there's so many things this could be, but you've got to sow it and you've got to continue to sow it. And if you'll keep doing it according to God's word, you will reap in due time. You will reap a harvest. I think we've got to believe that because sometimes we get in a mode where like, oh, I'll sow, but we don't really believe that we're going to reap a harvest. Um, I know this, when we planted something on my grandparents' farm, we expected, if we planted beans, we expected we were gonna get some beans, right? And so we need to expect that we will reap what we are sowing, but it's gonna happen on God's timetable in his due time. So I wanna encourage you, if you've been sowing, don't grow weary of sowing, continue to sow. Just sow to the Spirit, sow to the Spirit. Amen. Don't give up. So I'm gonna summarize this part and then we're gonna go to 2 Corinthians. So what you sow is what you're gonna reap. If we sow to the flesh, it's gonna equal corruption. Spirit's gonna equal life. And we need to understand due season. Amen. All right, message number two. I'm gonna keep going. Can I keep going? All right. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. Good word. All right. Second Corinthians nine. We're gonna look. We're gonna look in verse six. And I've said this before. Anytime I preach on the Corinthians, if there's any church you get discouraged about, look. If if you get discouraged about something here at Bethel Austin, just go read the book of First and Second Corinthians. Look, we're, so Dana and, uh, and Janessa and I are gonna do a class on 1 Corinthians in April. Is that when that is? So you can sign up for that on the website. I have some other great classes I'd recommend as well. Um, but we've been, we basically have been sewing. We've been studying, like we meet like every other week for a year. 
And you learn really quickly that the Corinthians had every kind of problem that you could imagine. I mean, they were like, Paul was like, he, he called them out a lot. He'd be like, you're a bunch of infants, <laughs> you know? All you can do is drink milk. I can't even give you solid food because you're, you're such a baby. And so, I mean, he, look, he really called them out because they, they're very arrogant people. Now, these are the same people that, uh, that walked in the gifts of the Spirit, right? And they're also the same people that Paul talked to them about love. Some of the greatest passages of Scripture that we have are, are to them, but they had a lot of issues and they had a lot of problems that, uh, that you can find out about when you come to our class. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like a good problem, right? If you watch a TV show, it's like there's... It makes for drama, I'll tell you that, right? So, yeah, so, so we're gonna look at the drama of the Corinthians there. But, um, but anyway, uh, when you start this passage in 2 Corinthians, we're gonna look at verse six, but one through five kind of gives you the context. And I, I really believe in context. I think that you can often apply something from a biblical context, you can apply it to situations and different things in your life that may look different than that specific context, but it's really important to understand the context of why something was written to really understand what it is and to stay out of like taking it where a place that it's not, it's not the way God intended. But the context of this, and I think this is super important for what I'm about to read to you here, um, the believers in Corinth had promised a gift to the church in Macedonia. And they were in Achaia, which was a province um, in this area. Both of these areas are in mo what's modern day Greece. They, they were once the same, um, way back there, they were once the same. They were both all Macedonia, but then the Romans separated them in 27 BC. But I think the important thing to understand is that the, the Corinthians had promised to give a gift to the Macedonians who were, who were struggling, and this was financial here. And um, Paul had been bragging to the Macedonians about uh, their zeal. And so the Macedonians were, they were just flat out fired up because they heard about the zeal of, of um, the Corinthians, those, those in the city of Corinth, the church in Corinth, to give them this gift. So they're, they're like fired up about it. They're, Paul's like, man, I brag on these people. They're gonna, they've said they're gonna give you a gift and they're so zealous for the Lord. And so it was really firing up um, those in Macedonia. And, um, and so Paul, what he does is he, he's writing this passage to say, look, get this gift ready in advance. And... Um, You've got to understand why he's doing this. The Corinthians had, all right, so they were very proud. They were very prideful. They had some boasting issues. So I could imagine they're like, yeah, we're going to give you a gift. Yeah, man, we're, we're, we're going to give you a big gift. We're going to bless you. And so Paul's basically going, hey, put your money where your mouth is, and you need to get that ready in advance because... Um, because they had probably been boasting really big about what they're gonna do. And so Paul's setting it up to say, you gotta, don't, hey, don't make me come there. You know, I'm not gonna come there and 
show up and you don't have a gift that you have promised that you would give them. And so he's basically like, get it ready, guys. You promised it. Put your money where your mouth is. Get it ready because we're about to do this thing. And we'll pick up in verse six. Verse six says this, and you, most of you know this scripture, but some of you might not have paid attention to what Paul was doing there and, and why he was doing it. And this is specifically about money. The Bible talks a lot about money. And money can be a blessing if you know how to manage it and you understand the principle of sowing into the kingdom first. Money is not good for someone that is operating in the flesh. If you are just operating in the flesh, there's a corrupting thing that can happen if you have a lot of money. But if you, if you are in a place where you are walking with God, then you can manage that resource well. And so money, I believe, is something that is talked a lot about in the Bible because it does get into a heart issue in how we handle it. And it's very, very important to understand that. And so this passage is, I just want to emphasize, is specifically talking about money. And it says here, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also uh, reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, we've heard this probably a thousand times, but we talked about earlier what you sow, what you put in the ground is what you're going to reap. What you plant, if you plant beans, you're gonna get beans, right? If you, if you plant peace, you're gonna get peace. Well, this is getting into how much you give. And so, the, and the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And I wanna, I wanna point out something here. There are two components to, to generosity that it's speaking about here. And the first one is this, the amount given in relation to what you have been given. So I want you to understand, you might not have a, a lot compared to what your neighbor has, but God doesn't look at it that way. When he looks at how we sow, when he looks at sowing uh, bountifully or sowing sparingly, what he is looking at is what we're giving in relation to what we have. Um, his measurement, his economy looks different than the way that we would measure it. And so it's not a specific amount, it's an amount in context of what you have. It's an amount in the context of the amount of seed that you have is how God looks at generosity. And I wanna put, I wanna put this in something that'll kinda blow your mind. And I had to calculate this several times to understand it. So if I had a billion dollars, so I read this book one time on these 20 billionaires. I wasn't that impressed with the book, but, but something that the guy said at the beginning of it was, he said, most of us understand millions, but we have no concept of what a billion dollars is. So first, let me put a concept of what it is because I just think it's interesting. Is that okay with you guys? All right, so a billion dollars, if you made $500,000, some of you are gonna pull out your calculator, for the next 2,000 years, $500,000 a year for 2,000 years, that would equal a billion dollars. Yeah, y'all are like, okay, yeah, you're right, I didn't understand that. So 
let's say a billionaire gives me a million dollars. That is the same as if someone who had a million dollars gave me $1,000. Or if someone with $100,000 gave me $100. Or if someone with $10,000 gave me $10. Or is it $1? I'm not sure. That one threw me. That doesn't look right. So if a billionaire gives you a million, you can say, thanks. That's like, give me $100. <laughs> it's like my friend giving me $100, you know? So the point is this. If someone has a billion dollars, they could give a million dollars and they're actually not being very generous. Right? And so that, that's what we have to understand. I want you to get that context of how much seed someone has, something it could look, you know, whoever got that's like, oh my gosh, I got a million dollars. You know, it'd be, it'd be amazing, right? But to a billionaire, that's, that's nothing, basically. That's like your average person, if maybe, you know, let's say, let's say, I don't know the average of what someone has in savings, probably not this much, but if everyone in this room had $100,000, it's like you giving $100 to your neighbor. It's nice, but it's, it's not, I wouldn't call that generous compared to what the seed that you have. Amen? And look, guys, I am not trying to get your money this morning. We're not taking up a special <laughs> offering at the end of this. I am just, I want you to get the principle of the kingdom. I mean, sow into the kingdom. Tithe, but sow into the kingdom. Don't just tithe, sow into the kingdom other ways as well. Uh, bless others in different ways. So the, the, second, the second component to generosity is this. It's your motivation and your attitude. So according to the Bible, it's, he says in verse seven, um, give as you've decided, each person give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And so your motivation when you give, you, let me say it this way. You could give someone a million dollars, but if, you are, are you, if you're giving that reluctantly, you're actually not operating in the way God sees generosity. Or if you do it under compulsion, what's that? If you're demanded, if you're demanded that you give that and you're somehow under compulsion that you have to give that, or you're somehow under condemnation Let's just release condemnation around giving. Let's, re let's release that off of people. If you're, if you're under condemnation and that's your motivation of giving, you actually haven't stepped into generosity. So the first thing of generosity, this component, is the amount that you give in relation to what you have. And I can't tell you what that amount is, but I can tell you there's an amount often that probably a good measure of that is like, ooh, that feels like a lot. You know, that, that's when we're starting to step into to, to a place of, of giving in a way that is, is generous. But the second part is we do that not reluctantly or out of demand. And so those are the two components that are important to generosity. And our response, the response from heaven is determined by our generosity and determined by those two things. And God loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to give with joy, like we actually enjoy it. 
It's like, man, this is awesome. The, the translation there, you've probably heard people say this before, but it's God loves a hilarious giver. It's like, that is hilarious. Like, this is, this is fun, man. We are, we are having fun here this morning. We are giving, we are giving, I'm giving, I'm blessing this person over here, blessing that person over there. And so I, I believe that God wants us to give in this, this way, but the, our response from heaven, receiving back abundantly is determined by our generosity. And there's no one in this room that can't be generous because of the way that God measures it. Amen? The woman who Jesus saw put basically a penny into the offering, he pointed out that she was giving more than all the others because he was measuring what she had. She, gave, she actually put everything in. That was, the, that was an act of generosity that is still talked about on, in churches today, what that woman did. That's how generous it was. And I always like to bring it up when you're talking about generosity because it didn't look like much to those who were counting the offering, but it was everything that she had. And Jesus saw it. And so, um, ready and willing. And so these, I wanna say this, these are principles that we're looking at here. And when we understand a principle, you, gotta, you can't understand it like a formula. So in the kingdom, five plus five does not just equal 10. It's not just like a formula. For a spiritual principle to work, there, there are things that you do, right? But for a spiritual principle to work, you've gotta have a heart alignment. And that's what this is dealing with right here. And so you, five plus five plus heart connection alignment equals the abundance back. And so some people I've seen, they try, to, they try to do this like very in a formulistic way, but they're not connecting with the heart of God. So you could just be like, I'm just gonna, you know, and they're kind of doing it out of duty or what, whatever it is, but God wants to bring you to a place of true, true generosity so that the abundance can come back to you. Amen? And so I don't wanna just give and be reluctant because if I'm giving and being reluctant, I haven't fully stepped into generosity, so I'm not gonna fully step into abundance. I mean, I think it's great you give, <laughs> right? It blesses someone, but there's something else. There's that, that piece of how you give and the hard attitude you give in is for you. You could bless someone with something great. They get blessed, but the heart posture piece is for you and your relationship to God. All right. Can we keep going? All right. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in what? Every good work. So God is able to that kind of giver to make you abound so that you will have sufficiency in all things, so that you will have what you need in everything at all times and that you would abound in every good work. And it goes on, as it is written, he's distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now this is the word of God, guys. It says here that he will supply seed to who? The sower for food and will multiply your seed for sowing more. 
This is a partnership with God that he has called us into. And that's what we have to understand. Everything that I have, every blessing that I have is not meant to be contained just within me. It's not for just me. It's not just for me and Stacy. It's not just for me and my kids and me and my family, whatever that is. It is, it is, God has put that there so that I could become a sower and do good wherever I am and however he's called me to do that. But he wants me to be a sower. And as I do that, he's gonna supply seed. And then as I do it more, he's gonna supply more seed so that more abundance begins to flow. And so there's, it just keeps going and it just keeps flowing. And it's important to understand that. And it goes on, it says that in 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Isn't that powerful? So you, you get to be enriched to be generous. You get to receive the abundance of that harvest that you've been planting so that you can be generous with others, so that you can bless others. That's sowing to the Spirit when you're generous with others. Could I get an amen? amen. And this, and here's something really powerful. I love this part. Verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. So there's more, right? So not only is it supplying their needs, not only is this gift, this generous gift that the Corinthians are giving, not only is it going to supply their needs, not only is it going to give them seed to then sow, but is overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Now, this is super powerful. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution to, for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. And so what Paul's saying here is, that in verse 13, they will glorify God because of your submission. So your giving, this is so powerful, your giving actually releases praise into them. Your giving, this is how powerful your giving is. You can actually create an environment of worship in someone else and a thanksgiving to God in someone else because you gave. Amen. So we're all worship leaders. We all have the ability, I love how our worship team, they can ignite praise and worship. Did you know you have the ability, whether you have a, whether you have a great voice or not, maybe you should sew to that, go get some lessons, I don't know. But you can ignite worship in someone else. You can ignite thanksgiving in someone else for, for, the, for your gift to them. For the seed that God gave you, Let's just establish none of the seed actually belongs to us. It belongs to him. But the seed that he gave to you, you then sow, you, and you do that generously, then God abundantly blesses you, all the while releasing praise and thanksgiving in someone else. 
and giving them seed that they can then sow into someone else so that an abundance comes to them so that they can then release praise and worship and thanksgiving to God in someone else. Isn't that powerful? Can you imagine a church where we're like, oh, there's a need, boom, there's a need, boom, there's a need, boom, thanksgiving, praise, praise God, this is amazing. Seed comes back to the person who gave it and they're like, oh, I got more, boom, 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 bam, boom, praise, worship, being released all over the place, being released, needs being met, needs being taken care of, amen. I believe in the early church, this is what was happening. They couldn't stop, they were giving, they couldn't stop and every need was taken care of, amen? Then it's like, man, every need's taken care of. Let's go out into the city and take care of some needs. Let's release some praise into Austin, Texas by supplying needs and blessing people and sowing into people in ways that they begin to come to the Lord, they begin to thanksgiving and it just starts all over again, amen? We could take Austin through our giving and our sowing. And I wanna reap a harvest. I've been in Austin for a long time and I wanna reap a big harvest in Austin, Texas. I don't wanna reap a little harvest. I wanna reap a large harvest, amen? Why don't we stand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I wanna pray. Minute. This is how we're going to do the response. And I don't know if one of you guys want to come up on the, Dave, you can come up on the piano. Um, I want just to take a moment here. And I want you just to put your hand out like this. And this is a recognition that all, all the seed, all abundance comes from God. This is, I want to just say this, if, if you don't believe God prospers, then you just believe in yourself, <laughs> basically. I, you know, if, I, if anything that comes to me, I'm like, God, you prospered me. But you didn't just do it for self. I think that's where, I think that's where some, of the, the, some of the things that have, have been taught kind of get off out of whack. It becomes all about self. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't want to bless and improve your life in, in different ways. But... He wants you to be a sower and he wants you to be a generous giver. And so putting your hand out, it's recognizing that I don't produce seed. Only God can produce seed and it's God that puts seed into my hand. And now I want you just to take a moment and I'm just gonna be quiet for maybe 60 seconds, which will feel like five minutes. But I want you just with the Lord right there, just every eye closed, right there where you are, not under compulsion. This is just between you and the Lord. I want you to ask him what seed you have in your life. And this could be anything. It's not, we're not just talking money here. Could be that. What seed in your life do you need to sow? What do you need to sow this year? Where do, what do you need to plant this year? Because that's where reaping starts. It starts in the sowing of the seed. What do you need to sow? So I'm gonna be quiet for 60 seconds or something like that. You just ask the Lord.
All right. So now, if you got something, if you know, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. You can keep asking him. But ask him now, did you see that seed? Ask him to give you a generous heart. A generous heart. That you would sow that seed generously with joy, cheerfully, not reluctantly, not under just duty or demand, but that you would sow with joy that seed and you would do it generously, whatever that looks like in context or in relation to what you have. You take that seed You're gonna sow it. And I wanna just do something. Just close your hand and just look at me. I don't know if this is a prophetic act, but we're just gonna do it because it seems like a thing to do right now. But I want you, I want you to put that, that seed on your heart and then I want you to all together sow it. Sow it. Sow it. Sow it. That's what you do right there. And that was just a, this act that we did, but I want you this week, ask the Lord, how do I sow it? Sow it. Where do I sow it? But sow the seed that God's given you. Sow it generously. And in due season, expect that a harvest would come back to you. And if you don't see it immediately, you, you keep sowing where God tells you to sow and it will return to you and it will you will reap abundantly if you sow abundantly. Amen? Look, this is not Shane Harris. This is pure word right there, right in context, right in the way it was written, right in the way God said it. That's what it is. And I wanna step into it as a church. So look for how you can bless and sow those seeds. Lord, I ask God for a multiplying. God, I ask that generosity would just arrest our hearts, that our hearts would be overflowing and that our hearts would be full with giving the seed that you give to us, God. I pray, God, that there would be an outpouring of generosity in every way, in, in ways we haven't even imagined that would touch this congregation, that would touch the city of Austin, that this, this place would be in a place of abundance and a place of life, spiritual life. And I pray that blessing in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Thanks for listening 